88.3 WXOU Auburn Hills Michigan This is The Summer Sessions With your host Roosevelt Belton Jr. Also known As R.B.J. And tonight It's another special episode So I'll be featuring a handful of interviews I had the opportunity to record at this year's Movement Festival in Hart Plaza. So, sit back and relax as I hear from artists such as Erica and BMG, DJ Scent, Angie Linder, T Linder, and DJ Soul, Mr. Joshua, Reference, and Who Dat. Right now, you listen to the Ectomorph track, Mysteries, as we dive into our first interview with Erica and BMG. At the time of this interview, they just finished rocking the 3 and 4 p.m. time slots, respectively, at the underground stage on opening day. So peace, thank you, and stay tuned, because there's plenty more to get to. Okay. All right, so 88.3 WXOU FM, Auburn Hills, Michigan. I am live at the 2023 Movement Festival, and I have the absolute pleasure speaking to just Two artists who are pillars not only to the Detroit community but the special itself. Erica, BMG, how are you? Oh, we're doing good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Doing great. <laughs> it's the busiest weekend of the year. It is. It is very busy. Very busy. Um, so, you two just longtime creative partners, um, Ectomorph, um, pretty much just friends and. and just friends, like it just in, as individuals. Um, so, as longtime partners, um, with your sets being, you know, back to back, that's that's pretty crazy. So, just um, was that something that was planned, or just kind of just developed organically? Well, I mean, you mean today about yeah. the scheduling? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like it's cool when we get to do that because we get to do these little like blocks of interdimensional transmissions kind of content, right? So for us, it's like doing a little mini takeover of the movement festival. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the whole like ectomorph back-to-back DJ thing is uh, it's pretty new. We I think the first one was in 2021, yeah. and it just came about organically. Um, We've known each other for a long time, and then she got, I used to DJ with Ableton, and then she got me into DJing with CDJs and like, you know, uh, normal. Yeah, Yeah, like everybody else. (laughs) The normal style. I'm like, okay, I learned how to do that, but through her, and then we know each other so well, and I know her style so well, and also like what she thinks about where she wants to go, so. DJing together is like really fun because yeah. I can help launch her. I can do like, you know, um, like in comedy, you can do the straight guy to like, you know, to launch the, the great joke. Oh, yeah. It's like, I can do the things that are gonna launch her into the way that she wants to go. That she just knows how to play that 
I can add to it. Right. It's, uh, like today, it was like cool for me to play first because I got to play a bunch of slow, sludgy music that wasn't going to be appropriate later. And I love to do that to set somebody up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she like launched with Azu Taiwale. Like, you know, we love her. She's from the Sahara Desert. You know, yeah, I'm, such I'm, a great artist. Yeah, incredible artist. Like, actual bear, bear music um, from Africa. So she's incredible. So she launched with that. That was amazing. But yeah, it's like this. Um, we have a background where we come from radio. We were both yeah. at WCBN. We met at radio, yeah. actually. Yeah. 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 Like radio is a really important part of like both of our like upbringing. Yes, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where she was, where she grew up as a, a teenager before she came to college. It was uh, college radio that really clued her in yeah. to like yeah. where yeah. things could go with with her brain. And that, it's an important thing for music that where you've got to connect with people that are uh, need that extra stimulus or have that extra thought. And so college radio is very important. Yeah. So I have, was working at WCBN, which was U of M's uh, college radio station. And then she came in for uh, music review. Yeah, I mean, I basically like moved into the dorm and was yeah. like, Next thing I got to do is join the radio station. It wasn't like the next thing I got to do is like pass my classes or like the next thing I do is like get a job. I was like, no, the next thing I got to do is join the radio station. <laughs> and that's where I met her and it kind of took off from there. Yeah. Um, so how like influential was that, that radio upbringing to you like your DJing? So the notes a lot of selecting and that was also like instrumental, like just how you approach music in general. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, like, yeah. For me, it's like I spent, you know, I grew up and I only got to hear, I mean, basically I heard what was on the radio all the time, and that's like what I learned about music. Yeah. When I was a little bit older, it was like kids trading tapes and recording each other's CDs and records and this kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But then when I went to university and I joined WCBN, all of a sudden I could sit around for six hours and just like listen to a bunch of music I never heard before because yeah. the stacks are so deep. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they did it on purpose, but like where the DJ booth is, the jazz stacks were like right behind you. Uh -huh. So it was like the easiest thing to go for. So yeah. I'd be like, it's four in the morning and like, I don't know what to play. Let's pull something out I haven't heard before. Oh, it's a whole side stick. Let's do it. Uh -huh. like, <laughs> so I just spent a long, like a lot of time, like learning about music by like chance. Uh -huh. But it's like not pure chance because that library was very well curated by a bunch of freaky heads for like 30 years, yeah. like before I got there. Yeah. <laughs> so like, that's how she's playing Anthony Braxton or Sun Ra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's because of that. For, for me, I, I'm lucky. I grew up in Detroit. You know, she's uh, not from Detroit. Yeah. So I grew up to the electrifying mojo and the wizard. Jeff Mills, like, still the greatest inspirational DJ alive, yeah. you know? So, and then the mo mojo was everything to me as I grew up. So what that meant to me, and also we had new wave radio. We had WLBS for a while, uh, which actually did uh, new wave and disco, which is really magical. And then, all sorts of different stuff. I mean, Detroit invented AOR, rock radio. It had, uh, we invented alternative music. That's a, that's a radio format that comes out of Detroit. Uh -huh. uh, 
uh, the, the DJ who started that started in a Detroit station, then moves to 89X, and then moves to San Diego, and then that's the whole, like that's the 90s. Uh, there's so much that comes from Detroit, so I feel really lucky to have grown up with this uh, uh, kind of like cornucopia of radio. Then we have mix shows, you know. So on the for me. Of course, I listened to Claude Young on WHYT. He was one of my heroes. Uh, of course, The Wizard, like on WDRQ, WJLB, uh, uh, and finally WHYT. But uh, then I, I was listening to uh, WGPR, where they had broadcast live from a dancery. We hear DJs like Fingers, Zap, and Gary Chandler playing uh, from the dancery and playing you know, reinforced records, that's an early drum and bass on classics with Claude Young or with uh, uh, like uh, Juan Atkins records or uh, 69, Carl Craig, the, his weirder, more open to breakbeat type stuff. It was a very fascinating thing. Uh, Detroit radio is like beyond genre. It's its own thing. So growing up to that, then I, I came to WCBN, which is a freeform radio station founded by like true music freaks who believe that there, uh, and this is true, that there is no genre, that all music is beyond genre, but all interconnects. And they were there to prove to you that that is a fact. So I got to learn that from like people that had been doing this for 20, 30 years. And I could see how jazz interconnects with calypso, experimental music, etc. Um, it, it was really a really an amazing experience. And I, I eventually was music director there, and that's where I met Erica. She just came in as a freshman into uh, music review, which was something we did every Monday night. Throughout the new music, the new records that came in, people write out a thing. Uh, uh, we would get the, the students to write down, does, do they swear? You know, is this right. something you can They're play? They're like the size of a review that fits on an Avery label, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, is it playable or not? What do you need to know about it? Does it swear? Does it not swear? Does yes. it like suck? Does it not suck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this a piece of commercial crap that you should never play? Right. You know, yeah. we need to know that. We listen to, I'd scan through it, but I, I wanted people's input. It's, and it was also a way to educate our audience, our, like our DJs about what we have. So it's really special, but it's hard to explain freeform music to people because it's something that goes beyond boundaries and it isn't a public reference for what this is. Well, and it's also like commonly confused with the DJ can play whatever they want, which is sort of one aspect of it, but that's not actually the point of what freeform is supposed to be. Yeah, kind yeah. of like a theoretical approach to playing different genre or playing different things for different times and different ideas and different cultures and different styles and finding a way to create a narrative through them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for me, it's a permanent part of the way I play. Right. If I'm rocking and I'm in a certain style, I will never stay in that style for too long because I want it to blend into something else and then show how it evolves. Right. It connects with other music. Right. So it's like bringing like the freeform concept to the dance floor. It's like sometimes really challenging when you're thinking about like what techno is supposed to be, right? Because it's supposed to be like a subgenre of a subgenre of a subgenre or something like this. But like 
One thing that I actually feel about Midwestern DJs generally is that everybody's taking a broader look. And maybe it's because there's like such a rich and diverse like musical heritage generally. Like in the Midwest, it's like, you know, if you go to Europe, it's like, there's like a whole stage of a festival that's dedicated to a subgenre, like let alone somebody's like two hour long set, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, it feels weird often when you're in Europe because they really know how to conform. <laughs> to uh, swim lane, we call it swim lane, yeah, like, like swim lane, lane. Yeah. expectations. <laughs> this you know, is the exact kind of record that lane. I play. Yeah. <laughs> it's this line, you know? And then to me, I want to play like uh, as, as wide as I can reach. But th like they're doing like, you know, four inches. Right, so like finding a way to connect to an audience is expecting something that narrow when you're trying to like come from this kind of like varied background is like actually kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I also want to talk about how radio allow maybe you know, both of you to kind of actually get involved in Detroit. If I understand correctly, um, Brandon, you were one of the first people to interview Drexia, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I had two Drexia interviews yeah. on Crush Collision which was on WCBN. And, well, uh, so explain what Crush Collision was. Crush Collision was a, a, a radio show that was founded by Tom Simonian. Originally it started out as just a way for him to present 12 inches because he was a, the, the top dance DJ uh, for the U Club, University of Michigan Club uh, in, in Ann Arbor. And he'd go to buy right to buy records. And he just wanted to show people what was new, what was fresh. And that could range from acid jazz to like a new Morrissey 12 inch mix for him. He moved to California and then I took the radio show over and I, I focused first on industrial because I was young and that's what I thought was interesting. And then I, I expanded that into bleep techno, like LFO was new at the time uh, and underground resistance early Detroit techno uh, of the uh, really powerful stuff, not the, the 90s. That's when I was starting. I started in 1990. Uh, so it was a, a new style of techno. And for me, it's uh, uh, radio just, there was so much more that you could do. With re college radio, there's no expectations. You don't have to make money for, the, uh, for an aspect of it. You don't have to sell commercials. You can, right. you can do what you want to do. You can actually like not be concerned about any of like the capitalistic shit that kind of like dictates what happens on the majority of our airwaves. <laughs> so my goal was to develop a techno community, a place where we could have real, like the way I grew up to great radio, I wanted to make that for what we were about at that time. And it felt like a revolution. It felt very different than how it feels now. Things move much slower now. It was very, like, music would be different two months later. Like, Aphex Twin would change his, the style would be totally different within two months. It was really an exciting time. So we tried to share this revolution with people. And at my radio station, they were very, WCBN, they were very resistant because they were referencing, like, the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival or, like, MC5 in the Stooges, and like, this isn't as cool as that, you know? It's, well, it's not, but it's another time, and this is what's actually happening right now, and 
you know, and I would I actually argue that the radio station, all the music that you love, ripped off black music. Like, don't you want to get on, get in on the new black music? Yeah. You know, that's as is actually happening, yeah. and then see how that changes things. I have a unique perspective because I come from Detroit. It's very different if I came from Rotterdam or Amsterdam, where this is like an other thing to me. I grew up with a black majority, not a minority. So it was a very different experience. And then I just wanted to share that with at this revolution as it was happening. So I had, like, I got to have guests down like Rob Hood, Mike Banks, Dan Bell, Kenny Dixon Jr. Uh, Theo Parrish, uh, Rick Wilhite, uh, 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 all sorts of people. I, I mean, Richie Houghton debuted Spastic on my radio show. We had IF. We had uh, all sorts of, of amazing people. Basic Channel did a couple radio shows with me. Uh, of course, I had the Drexia interviews. There's a, a, the second Drexia interview. They wore makeup. Uh, it's the... I forget the name of the Star Trek episode, but it's the one where you have a half black, half white face. And one of the members did that. And then they requested that I process them through a voice processor. So I did that, you know. Um, but I, I had people like Carl Craig down, uh, uh, Derek May down, all sorts of stuff. I just was trying to, sh like, because this wasn't being represented in the media at all. And it was the hottest shit in the fucking world. So how do you share this with people? So I, I dedicated radio to that. And eventually, you know, the, the uh, Crush Collision continues to this day and is still very interesting. Uh, when I retired, I made sure that uh, great people took it over. Todd Osborne and uh, Carlos Sufran, they killed it. But it's a totally a live thing. Yeah. The kids today who are taking care of it are so cool. Yeah. Like it's like actually really amazing. There's like a whole student organization at University of Michigan right now that's dedicated to electronic music. Yeah. It's like really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like just me fighting for this thing like with a bunch of people telling me that's not jazz. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's totally anti-musician because you know they stopped uh, musical education sometime in the 80s so that's going to have cultural impact you know this is where we're at this is what we do this is who we are i don't know radio is a very special media especially college radio where you don't have uh, commercial oppression yeah. Yeah. um when i hear you guys talk about radio talk about curation authenticity um like how you approach bringing things together i hear a lot of that that ideology come through with your Return to the Source series and your, your parties. Um, so for those who don't know, um, why is that such an important part of how you approach parties and how you approach events? Yeah, I will. So part of what we're trying to do with events is feature the Midwest generally, like actually, and make sure that the people who we really believe in from around here because there's so much incredible talent are actually like given a place to be seen and heard yeah. and like trying to combine that with like who are the most futuristic and exciting like international touring artists for us you know and trying to create these lineups that combine like 
these both sides of it yeah. and yeah. kind of like find a way to to present it all in a way that like tells a narrative about like where the music's been coming from and then like where we see it going to. Yeah. 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 We have an incredible platform because yeah. uh, Saturday night you have the Chisora 313 party, which is our Detroit take on Chisora. It references Chisora the nightclub, it references Chisora the record label, but it also references where we wish to see Detroit go, or Chisora, where it could, what it could become. So we added things that we think are very interesting that don't fit the Berlin spoon lanes. Like we always have a Bristol artist uh, Bristol is a place in the UK, close to Cornwall, where uh, 10 million things come together. And it uh, has this incredible post-jungle music that combines house and techno influences. It's a very natural thing for them, but it's not natural everywhere. So we try to feature these DJs. Last year we had Batu, this year we have Hodge. And to me, it just really shows like where this music could go, a combination of electro, techno, and house. And of course, jungle. It's, to me, it's, it's electric and exciting. But it's not the kind of thing you, thing you think of in Berlin, because in Berlin, they're just self-replicating. They're always self-replicating. It's the same thing again and again, and it's just a new version of the person who did that shit. Like it's still it's like the photocopy machines and like how it like degrades and mutates as you make more copies of the same copy and maybe like add another copy and then it changes a little bit so but it's always sort of like referencing the original copy like not even the original the original copy. Gotcha, and that's where obviously return to source comes from. So return to source is a chance to share our love of music with you know people no way back it's very deep in the groove right. it's not something i can easily explain but it's something that's like really obvious if you went to these parties again loved music but were frustrated by how little was given to them. so it's this really wide thing um and just talking about that how you approach that um when it comes to a movement where Maybe you're in an environment where people aren't necessarily familiar with who you are, what you do, versus when you talk about No Way Back, Return to Source, where you're in an environment where people are more familiar with you and your ideology. How do you approach those kind of two different sets from one environment to another? Well, as a DJ, when I'm trying to figure out what to play, I really can't figure it out ahead of time because I need to be in a place to feel what's going on there and like understand what record makes sense to play next in like any given situation. Yeah. Um, but it always comes back to like what record do I want to play next, right? And like what makes sense. And so here I wasn't going to play, you know, and here being a movement because that's where we are right now. I wasn't going to play records that were like more popular or like more mainstream or more accessible because that's like i don't want to i don't want to like dumb down what i believe in or who i think i am to play a set like this i want to still present to people what i think the real music is and what i think the best music is because i actually have an opportunity to show them what that is as opposed to like anything else that they might hear walking around so it's like i feel like i'm like in, an, in a situation like this and i'm like an ambassador almost of like something deeper <laughs> 
at a thing like movement where you're dealing with a large crowd. I mean, this is a lot of people and it's a very public situation. I feel almost like your DJ set is public speaking. Like you're talking to people that might know who you are, but a lot of them don't. You need to play that, that balance between what you find fascinating and what connects to them. That's a totally different challenge. At No Way Back, we get to DJ for people who love this music, know this music, live through this music, and then we get to play with that, with their knowledge and play with their expectations. And that's something really incredible where you're like playing for, for family members almost. It's a very, it's a, a very internal, special thing. So it's really different. All right, BMG, Erica, I feel like I can talk to you longer, but I want to let you go. Um, first and foremost, uh, just thank you for an excellent interview. And I do want to leave off with one more, one last question. Um, so just as long attending participants of the festival, but also just stewards and just caretakers of the Detroit music scene, um, what's one thing you always take away from this weekend? Like community, yeah. actually, is yeah. what I would say. Yeah. Because this weekend is like when our international community all comes to one place, whether it's to be here at Movement, whether it's to come to our parties, like it's a walk around and see people and hear people. Yeah. And everybody's so excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're Barbados at Carnival. Yeah. You know, it's uh, all the people in the world have come here for this. And there's a lot that you can yeah, do. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like actually really incredible that everybody comes here. I, I, for this. I truly <laughs> wish that this is how Detroit always was. Yeah. That we could do this kind of thing. Yeah. Detroit this has always musical. deserved this kind of respect and attention. Yeah. And it makes me really happy that this exists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's magical and beautiful, and I just revel in it. I, I try to live in this time for as long as I can because it's a really magical thing. Okay. Replenishes you for a whole year. Okay. Okay. All right, so thank you. Just not only for music, but also radio as well. I uh, appreciate you. Just listen to you guys talk. You're pretty much my idol. So. Thank you, Roosevelt. Cool, yeah, You're thank welcome. you. Full thank support you. to WXOU. Yes, yes. 88.3 Smith. Good. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You just heard our first interview tonight with Erica and BMG. Coming up now is our second interview with the one and only DJ Synth. Before we get there though, we're going to sample a track, The Body. So 88.3 WXLU-FM, 
day two of the 2023 Movement Festival. Um, and right now I have the absolute honor of speaking to one of the staples of electronic dance music in general, but also in Detroit, the one and only DJ Scent. Welcome me, thank you. <laughs> Drum roll. <Yeah. laughs> I like I it. <laughs> Originally from Georgia. Georgia, okay. I like okay. to represent my hometown for real. Okay. Uh, low small town, Sparta. Yeah, Sparta, okay. <laughs> you know, but I've been here, you know, forever. And yeah. so, but originally my roots is from the south so okay. got that hospitality going on okay <laughs> southern uh, all right you're speaking to a bama boy so i like yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> gotta hook you up with some things in bama oh yeah, yeah. that's some stuff i do um guy uh bama bounce okay uh, dot com which is my man um dj7 okay some of the baltimore club music that i've always played yeah it's what he produced okay so uh, another gentleman named dj technique Baltimore Club. He's out of D.C. Uh-huh. And so th those guys were so instrumental around that 2000 era mm -hmm. when hip-hop sort of came and sort of exploded in all the clubs. Yeah, yeah. I kind of converted some of my house okay. into the Baltimore Club feel. Okay. I still play that. I would do a set today of some of that. Yeah. So, yeah, just so yeah. people know what it is. But okay. those guys were instrumental to keep my thing dance-friendly. Oh, okay. You know, when, yeah. uh, when hip-hop showed up, it was... Sort of like one of those situations if you're either going to conform to do mm -hmm. a little bit of hip hop in your party, yeah, or what you go do, mm -hmm. or not have one, yeah, yeah. And so they really did always give them homage because they really did save because it brought me a little something different, okay. Uh, a gentleman named Cedric, uh, they called him a district house mother from DC, uh huh. DJ Cedric came in on a visit one day, yeah, and yeah. made him. Had a little private battle in my after hours. Mm -hmm. we, we weren't speaking about it, but uh -huh. we were dropping some heat. Yeah, yeah. And he put that down. Okay. And I was like, okay, I know you're from DC. Uh-huh. I'm about to make a visit over there and see where you get some yeah. of this. <laughs> Came back with that stuff and man, that that just woke up. I, I'm so surprised I hear some of my younger people now mm -hmm. dropping Baltimore Club and yeah, trap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All that kind of comes into a mixture of how that all I think trap, some of the other sort of up-tempo styles. It's really coming from that Baltimore club era. So okay. I'd love to see the progression yeah. of where it's going. Yeah. Um, so as far as like your your development as a DJ, what city or what scene would you say really kind of brought you on? You know what? I've been on the grind for forever. I came yeah. out the basement of my house doing mm -hmm. after our little parties. Yeah, yeah. And then I grew that into the post, which mm -hmm. was over there on Gratiot. Mm -hmm. And that was really a mixture of black, white, gay, straight. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, at that time I started like 97. Okay. So like I said, around that 2000 era, I added that Baltimore spice. Mm -hmm. So I've been around so many different cultures of people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just progressing from classics to where we are now, trying to keep things moving forward when mm -hmm. it comes to music. Yeah. And then hitting radio, I got on JLB doing guest spots around 2009. Okay. On Club Insomnia. And yeah. been there, I was there for almost uh, 15 years. Okay. So just. That whole mixing pot, mm -hmm. trying to stay relevant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and still be who you are yeah. and hope that people can appreciate your own own phonique style, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want you to tell us more about radio because based on the other interviews I've done with Detroit DJs, not only, you know, who's on the radio talk about Jeff Mills and Mojo, mm -hmm. but people being able to like get on. I think, you know, Kevin Saunderson and Minx were on C-Jam. Um, so tell people, for those who don't know, why Detroit Radio was so special. Man, 
it, I mean, uh, just like most cities, I'm sure, yeah. it was a record breaker. Yeah. It, it should be the place that the DJ that gets hired in that position mm -hmm. is the one that's pushing the newest of music. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things I kind of missed in some of the clubs. When I came out, most DJs at that time were record breakers. Ken Carrier is one of the guys I listened to tremendously, Dwayne and Mix Bradley, mm -hmm. even his brother Greg Collier, yeah. uh, Jeff Mills. These guys, I call them futuristic DJs because mm -hmm. the basis of what we did and what we should be doing today is pushing new music forward. Yeah. Nothing wrong with playing classics and, and, and staying in that realm, mm -hmm. but people make new music mm -hmm. so it can be played. Yeah, yeah. And so radio was very instrumental of being that sort of leader of if you didn't know quite where you wanted to do, go in as a DJ, uh -huh. you could pick out a certain DJ that plays certain times of the day. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Meeks Bradley did the Midday Cuisine. Yeah. I don't know if you knew about no. that. That was during the uh, afternoon, 12 okay. to 12.30. Wow. You didn't have that during the midday. Yeah, yeah. You know, on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So, so many different shows of radio yeah. were instrumental of why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess, and just on a, a further note, like, something I want to personally know, like, like, what changed as far as why that's not really a platform for Detroit? Money. Yeah. You know, it's... Unfortunately, everything is based upon money. Yeah. And I think the, uh, no disrespect to hip hop, the yeah. trend and the wave of that music coming into all scenes, yeah. not just here in Detroit, um, changed because it was a big money thing. Okay. Yeah. And radio is based upon money, who's gonna bring bigger ratings. Yeah. And so house sort of tickets kind of told when things just, a lot of people died. People don't really want to talk about that part too. Mm -hmm. A lot of your bigger producers that were mainstream back in the day, mm -hmm. We had a fluctuation of death, of AIDS, and different parts of their lives where things changed, and the sound changed, mm -hmm. and the culture of who was doing things changed. Yeah. And so the bigger thing, like I said, money shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Once money is the <laughs> instrumental foundation of what needs to lead anything, yeah. then the true authenticity of what really good music kind of goes behind, back in the say, underground. Mm -hmm. But it still should be something mainstream. Yeah. I think I always talk about Beyonce's Break My Soul. Mm -hmm. And I laugh because it was going to take someone of her status yeah. to really shake the music industry to say, well, let's take a look at, and I'm not just saying her, because mm -hmm. there's a roller coaster effect, but yeah. big as she was, mm -hmm. you took notice. Yeah. But it was going to take someone of her magnitude to make even maybe radio want to play yeah. dance music again. Now you're turning the radio on now, you might hear an old remix of something that you wouldn't have heard yeah. two years ago, really. Yeah. And just speaking of that, you know, resurgence or the, you know, the resurgence. You know, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, quotes. If <laughs> yeah. <people can't> <laughs> Let's not talk about that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. There was a foundation before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get it confused, no, you know. Yeah, yeah. But that's another part. The documentation of the history yeah. is so mixed up. Yeah. It's, it can be infiltrated mm -hmm. to where someone else could take the glory, which doesn't really necessarily deserve it, mm -hmm. sadly. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you talk about movement. Um, mm. That's both something where, you know, we have this mixture of the underground and it's <laughs> trying to, in a way, make something accessible. Um, so as someone who participates in this festival, um, as far as I know, since it was DMF, DMF correct? Um, how do you, how would you sort of like rate the importance of a platform for this for Detroit. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Because uh, you have people from all over the world that comes during this time that may never ever come to Detroit. Yeah. Um, I think with them additioning, when D when it was DMF 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really strictly more of a dance feel. Yeah. Um, movement has expanded their sound mm-hmm. by adding more cultures in the cash dials. Mm-hmm. You know, more yeah. of a hip hop. Yeah. Once again. Yeah. We bring in that money. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's something that you can't avoid, which is yeah. no disrespect to it. Yeah. You know, but I would love to see something of this magnitude stay yeah. originally on a dance platform. But I understand economics, mm-hmm. and you understand the bigger picture when you're trying to say all music is important. I think that's what movement is trying to say. Yeah. We don't want to isolate this. Mm-hmm. We know it's not necessarily mm-hmm. what we dance to, but yeah. it's such a big culture move. Mm-hmm. We got to incorporate it too. So yeah. I think they really kind of changed their name mm-hmm. um, into the, and added hip hop as a part of their underscore, mm-hmm. which wasn't there maybe four years ago. Yeah. So you, yeah. you see the growth. and. That's what you're supposed to do. Whatever yeah. you see that can bring more people or... One thing I can say about it, because at first I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Quick story. Mm-hmm. They had Snoop Dogg on the big stage. Derek May, Kevin Saunderson on the thumb stage. Yeah, yeah. No disrespect. Yeah. Those are the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. Not sure how we look like that. So <laughs> I was a little heartbroken because, yeah. uh, don't get it wrong, Snoop is worthy of the big stage. Mm-hmm. But my God, yeah. you can't put them next to them. So yeah, yeah. we had to learn the history so we won't make that sort of sort of disrespect to those guys who really what made this thing even happen. Yeah. They're the founding fathers of what got this thing started. So yeah. we want to make sure we do it the right way when we do include other people yeah. in this thing. So yeah. 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 And I think that circles back to you. Um, this weekend was huge for you for yeah. recognition. Man. Um, city council recognition <laughs> and also respect to architects. Yes. So for you personally, why was that so huge? You know, just getting recognized. Yeah. A lot of times you feel like you're kind of overlooked. Mm-hmm. And there's so much. I tell people, you know, when I travel, when I'm just around, such mega talent here. So yeah. it's, you can get sort of mixed into the pot where only certain people see you or only certain people know who you are. Yeah. And for an artist, we all want to be sort of like waving our hands like, hey, see me. <laughs> I, I'm just as big as the rest of them. Yeah. But it, it also takes your timing. When that door opens for you, yeah. then you step through it and hopefully you can present a good package as well. Yeah. But these guys out here, I mean, the names, the history here has been way before me, yeah. will be way after me. But what I hope to do is kind of put DJ Sense name on somebody's platform to say, oh my. Yeah. Now that's the one I do remember too. Yeah. So you just yeah. want to be included. Yeah. Uh, so what was like the first thing that kind of went through your head as far as when that you first got that, that the idea, not the idea, but uh, the notice that you were going to get these awards? Man, I mean, you know, when you go out and har- a party or you see other DJs making uh-huh. noise, you say, this is something I want to get involved in. Yeah. I didn't know how. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Hand was huge yeah. in my instrumental of getting equipment and getting me started. Mm-hmm. And just, just seeing the, for as a dancer, mm-hmm. how music impacted me, yeah. how it made me feel. And I said, well, if I can do a little bit of that mm-hmm. and make a little bit of a difference, yeah. it, it's worth all the other stuff. All the other stuff you don't think about as a DJ. Yeah, yeah. You come out usually with the love of music and just want to be your own thing. Yeah. But then you got to add this extra seasoning that you ain't <laughs> quite ready for. <laughs> and you have to adjust more to the seasonings yeah. than what you're really trying to do. Yeah. So it's, it's balance. Yeah, yeah. That's my That's my word for this year. <laughs> balance. <laughs> got you. Actually, I think we'll end on that point too, Sam. Um, so... This movement, um, this whole Memorial Day weekend, what's you know one thing you always take away from it? Just the unity of people. Yeah. 
seeing faces you haven't seen, mm -hmm. you know, and the love. Yes. You know, people, for me, you know, social media makes everyone know you. Yes. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so I don't know how many cousins I got, <laughs> how many family members I have now, but uh -huh. that's the part I take from this weekend. Just seeing the unity of everybody coming together. Yes. All the mega talent, all the new people. I mean, you look on the list and I'm like, my God, who are these new people? Yeah, yeah. So coming. Movement gives you the opportunity to mix and bow to see all these different people that you would never see. Mm -hmm. So that alone is worth of it. Worth yeah. of it. Okay. Yeah. And I thank you so much You're for welcome. allowing me to come down and yeah. get a chance to play today. So it's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. I saw you at Sharivari last year. You blew nice. my mind. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing you again. Very good. Yeah. Thank all you right. so much. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. All right. WXOU, live from the campus of Oakland University. Welcome back to the Summer Sessions with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr., also known as RBJ. We're in the second half of our 2023 Movement Recap. Come up now, we're about to get into a conversation with Angie Lender of Detroit Techno Militia. Before we get there though, we want to introduce her using a DTM track from Sean Rudiman titled Kalashnikov. So, 88.3 WXOU FM, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Day two of 2023 Movement Festival. I had the pleasure of speaking with Angie Lender, co-founder of Detroit Techno Militia. Angie, how you doing? Good to see you. Thank you so much for having me here today. I really appreciate it. Exactly, exactly. So, um, Angie, um, you're someone I've been told really doesn't get enough shine despite the amount of work that you do. So, just, I guess we'll speak as far as like Detroit music scene in general. Um, what first got you interested in just uplifting this scene or working behind it? What got me into all of this? Yeah. What got me into all of this? So I guess I could take you all the way back to uh, maybe sixth, seventh grade, uh, in ju junior high and and elementary school, junior high. I'd rush home from school to watch things like the new dance show and, and and things like that. And that, like, the music I heard on there was unlike anything that my parents listened to. So my dad was a, a, a rock, uh, in a rock bands. He played, uh, he was a DJ at uh, WABX. So in Detroit, that was his thing. He did rock, rock and roll. And I found something that sounded completely different and I'm like, it was inspiring and I remember listening on the radio um, I would listen to every mix show that I could find on the radio um, at that point so that's about 89 yeah. 90 when I, I finally asked my dad I'm like dad because he knew everything about music he had a, in a massive vinyl collection I'm like dad what is this and he said oh you like that that techno beep 
I won't, I won't, I'll be very, uh, <laughs> and I was like, wait, is that what it's called? It's called techno? Like, he literally coined the word for me. And then from that moment forward, I looked for anything that had that electronic feel, any songs, even commercially played on the radio that had that more electronic feel that wasn't that natural band feel. Loved it. I, it wasn't, it was, it was, it moved me in a way that, and I love music. I'm a classically trained trumpet player. So uh, definitely hearing something that was not of organic instruments, very enthralling to me. Um, so what would you describe in the first moment where you transitioned to just being more than a fan? So that that took me into, you know, high school. My best friend Winnie. Yeah. You know, you'll see her. She is she's on our albums and things like that. She comes to all of our events. She was a senior when I was a freshman, and she started taking me out to places like Menjos and Numbers and 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 places where we could hear dance music, you know, progressive music, tran trance music, everything. So we started going to the club, sneaking out. I'd say I'd spend the night at your house, you're staying the night at my house, and we'd, we'd go to the clubs that didn't ID because I was still, you know, 16 years old at that time. So sneaking into the clubs, and then, um, and then eventually, you know, uh, graduating high school, and then started throwing and hosting events um, with, with really good friends that we met in the party scene and stuff like that. Like, we wanted to go find more parties. We went to, to hang out with some of her friends in Florida who was like, oh, you, you've never been to a rave before. And I was like, tell me more about this. So that took me to that point. Ever since then, I was kind of bitten by that bug. I was able to start producing our own events and then eventually, uh, after uh, some, some time working with our friends, saying, hey, we need to put this under a collective umbrella, what should we call it? And we kind of landed on Detroit Techno Militia. I said, well, if I start this crew, will you guys be a part of it? And everyone co-signed, yes, we are all going out to the same events together. We are all like supporting each other. We just formalized it at that point. And it snowballed from there. I'm the kind of person who, when I, when I go home at night, it's not to veg out in front of the TV. I, I'm working or I'm continuing to grow and better myself. So it's just, an, you know, you're trying to find better ideas. How can I do to collectively lift up our community and, um, you know, put some shine on artists like DJ Scent and all the people that are deserving of the recognition that they're not getting and what can I do to bring light to that too? So I just started doing everything and throwing all the all the balls in and, and figuring out where to go from there. Perfect, perfect. And it's been a journey for sure. It's been a journey for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just speaking of, you know, Detroit Techno Militia, um, just from what I've researched, that was something that started when there was sort of a national or international sort of like disrespect for techno coming out of Detroit. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. There were, I felt at that time when we started tech, Detroit Techno Militia that the the people that were laying down the music that we loved yeah. were kind of falling out of favor. There were, you know, new genres cropping up and, and different people taking the spotlight and our artists weren't playing around the world. Not not necessarily techno militia artists because we were, we're inspired by what we grew up in and those artists weren't playing, the headlining these big festivals. There were guys, 
you know, coming up out of nowhere, making millions of dollars, and here we are having some of our artists who can barely pay their bills and keep the lights on and things like that. And so it was a, a little bit out of disdain for the current uh, climate of dance music in the, in the world. Um, and so I used my talents and my husband's talents in, in marketing and internet development and things like that. Uh, late 90s, early 2000s, we were good at the internet and we used our platform uh, way before other people were good at the internet and used their platform. So that's, I think that was really helpful for us. Got you. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously speaking as a big, you know, I don't want to say EDM, but techno, techno music festival. Um, now that there's like more of an awareness of where this music comes from and who's making it, how would you say, if at all, that the mission of DTM or Detroit Techno Militia has changed? It's changed, yes. How I would say it, was, it has changed is now we've moved on to, now there's recognition around the world and, and that respect and, and things like that. And now we want to find out, and, and what I'm collectively involved in through things like the Detroit Berlin Connection and Detroit Nightlife United is opening up nightlife and supporting the creative economy here in Detroit. Making it so that people want to come here instead of us taking our artists and sending them over the, overseas so they're able to make you know, those, those bigger ticket parties and get paid better. Like, we, we should be able to do that here. We should have more than three clubs that play electronic music on a regular basis. I know there's a lot here, so anyone listening know, know that we want to shine more light on that as well. So we, we got involved in that to kind of unlock the night is what our, our slogan is, and we're working really hard. That, so the mission of Detroit Techno Militia is to preserve the, the art of DJing and making sure that we, we mentor and it's evolved into now finding these artists who are uh, just lacking the resources or maybe the training and then how do we build that up and what can we do to help, you know, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, So for that's sure. how it's evolved. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one, one thing me and you were talking about yesterday is that as far as, you know, we talk about opening up, open up the, um, the nightlife, um, that's not necessarily, you know, there's obviously the money there, but there's a lot of other issues as well. Um, there really are. Yeah, so why is it sort of a more of a gradual than you sort of, we're just going to jump into this? It, it's definitely going to be a gradual process because we are already a city with very limited resources. And if we were just to say, all right, do uh, act like it was movement festival weekend every single weekend, I, we would just crush the system. So we have to grow. We have to find the space for our type of music and our type of scene and and, and build with the neighborhood and make sure that it's something that the neighborhood wants or can support or, or that it's in an area where we're not disturbing anyone or, you know, there's a lot of reasons around that, but it's just to not overwhelm the system. If we just went, you know, say, get rid of everything right now, today, tomorrow, you know what would happen. And there's a lot more important things going on in Detroit than just, you know, some, some people wanting to dance. It's good for mental health. It's good for community and camaraderie and things like that but but we need more yeah yeah, yeah. um and i also want to do touch on when you talk about mentorship and the artists that you work with now um what are some of the challenges that you're facing and that you're noticing that artists need to embrace or be supported on like moving forward so one thing that i know I, that i really love and i and i try to do it a lot that it is not done a, lo a lot yeah. well 
let me roll that back again, that is not apparent to the general eye a lot, is making sure that we give super talented kids who may not be the best DJs at that point, that first opportunity, give them, give them some place to come see you, give them some, some space to be on the decks and, and try. And, you know, it's not going to be, a, a, you know, a, a, a crazy success at the very, you know, first set. They might stumble, they might train wreck, they might do whatever, but at least they'll have that opportunity and they can kind of shake the, the jitters out. I think that is super important for mentoring. You don't have to, you know, feed the ego and say, oh my God, that was the greatest ever. It was, you did awesome, you, you put a lot of heart into this and now what can we do to kind of cultivate that or like help refine what you just did. And so shedding light in that uh, more hands-on situation. There's a, because we are so limited on space in Detroit, there's not a ton of opportunity for that to happen. And there's a ton of kids out there who are getting into this music now and that, and that will have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so just kind of ending on that point, um, Angie, we're at this big festival. Um, you've been involved with it since its inception. So I'm just ask you, what's the one thing you always take away from this weekend? One thing that I always take away from this event is that the more we're different, we are the same. So there's not one cookie cutter of person and never look at someone and say, we could never be friends or find common ground. You might, you don't have to agree on everything, but you're not, we're not so different. You know, it, it feels, um, it feels like it, or it, it looks, may look like it, but truly down to the core of all of us, definitely music is the universal language. And that is my takeaway. It's, it, I could, there's someone on the dance floor who may ne- not speak English, or I, you know, I can't communicate, and you just give them that nod, and you know yeah. that they're your people. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. You know. All right. So Angie Linder, um, just for me and the Detroit in general, we thank you for all that you do and that you're continuing to do. Um, and I'm glad I could shine the spotlight on you. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. It means a lot. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Angie. WXOU, this is The Summer Sessions, with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr. We just finished a conversation with Angie Linder of Detroit Techno Militia. We'll stick with that theme as a continued conversation with T. Linder and DJ Soul. WXLU-FM, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Um, Day two, 2023 Movement Festival. I have the pleasure of speaking with two legends of Detroit Techno Militia. The one, T. Linder, DJ Soul. How are you two? We are wonderful, at least I am. How are you doing? Man, I've been living the dream. This is my favorite weekend of the whole year, you know? We're we're only halfway through it, and uh, I've already, it's been the best one yet. So uh, here we go. Let's go. Okay. Every year's the best one. Yeah, we always have fun. We always, you know, it's great to see old friends perform in front of old friends from all around the world. Like people come here, 
It's always a great, great event. After parties are great. The free parties are great. <laughs> uh, production level's better than ever. This sounds better than ever. Uh, there's more people than ever. Uh, we're having more fun than ever, you know? Like, uh, we, we can't not have fun here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's a double negative, but it works, right? Yeah. yeah. I can't not. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you can't. Not for trying. Not for trying. <laughs> um, so speaking of, you know, Detroit Tekken Militia, mm -hmm. the movement of that. Um, mm -hmm. Why is it so important for you guys to have presence at this festival with this weekend? Well, one of the things that we've always tried to do is uh, kind of celebrate the history of Detroit Techno while kind of forging our own path in the style of music, the style, the genre of electronic music. And it's a, such a great thing to have something 10 minutes from my home where we can celebrate the music that was created here that we love so much and that we've always championed through our thing. Or the, this thing we've done for 20 plus years now at this point. You know, I think it's really important for us to uh, be part of it, uh, not just this year, but every year, because uh, Tom and I are on the road a lot. We, we're traveling, spreading this gospel, uh, being ambassadors of this music overseas and anywhere we can, anywhere that'll take us, basically. And uh, we love coming back and being stars in our hometown. You know what I mean? It's so it's really, it's uh, kind of cool, you know, because it never was that way. And uh, luckily, you know, Paxile puts on such an amazing festival. And not only doing that and showcasing the world's talent, but they are really, really showcased Detroit's talent. Yeah. And we're very, very lucky to be part of that. This year has been like really nice for a lot of our, our friends from around the world who come over that we've known for years. And this year they're like, oh yeah, we're coming to Detroit. You got a place to stay? Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. You can. I got an air mattress. Come on, sleep on my couch or whatever. And but they want. They have always wanted to hear Detroit talent in Detroit. People that they don't get overseas, that they don't get outside of Detroit, who are some of who I think are some of the best DJs in the world. These are my underground professors here. And these are the people that built. Without them, there's no me. It's wild, you know, it's wild to you add to that when you play this festival, no matter who you are, your set goes out the window, what you normally do. It shouldn't, but it does because you need to pay homage, you need to, your friends are in the crowd that are all producers or people you really respect and you're trying to manipulate that. Uh, it just comes down to you gotta have fun and play what you want because the crowd doesn't care. If you look out there, everybody's going nuts, no matter for all this kinds of music. And uh, we, when we get up there, we're like, do we take it to our roots? Do we play hard? Do we do our current set? What do we do? Uh, not just classics. We can try to mix it all together. We have something different planned for today. And it's going to be kind of special. Uh, but, you know, like, it's, it doesn't even matter almost. You know, it almost doesn't even matter. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. But, but also, piggybacking on that, you can't mess up. <laughs> And you can't bleep up because they know here in Detroit. They they understand music here in Detroit, and the people who are tra traveling all the way to come here, they know their music. So, as I, we got yeah. credit. As I heard, someone put it like, "You just got an audience full of critics." 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of want to hear from that. You know, you guys are ambassadors too, as far as, you know, I think, believe you were in Berlin like a couple months ago, right? right yeah, right. right. Yeah. So you talk about coming correct in Detroit, like going out of Detroit, like how much does that mission change or is it still the same? It's even tougher, okay, because we have the whole city on our back, right? Uh, we don't just represent like we're the DJs from Detroit. I mean, look at our shirt. We're saying we're representing Detroit. And when it comes down to that, you really got to take it a lot more seriously sometimes because a lot of people are coming to that show. They don't know what they want to see Detroit. And everyone has a different view of Detroit techno. Trust me, around the world, everyone thinks of it differently. And we try to represent every one of those views in our sets. You know From I mean? like aggressive, our, our sets tend to be a little more aggressive. And, but the but thing is- we still is, add that melodic stuff like Octave One, right? We'll still uh, add that stuff in. We, we always, it, it's, there, there's like beautiful and melodic and there's aggressive and raw. We try to encompass all of that because that's how, the way we feel about that. And it's it's as much space as it is street. It's as much outer space as it is like street style. And we try to encompass that in our in our style. Yeah, an all-in-one set. <laughs> and since now uh, we do four turntables is what we normally do a lot, we kind of do it all at the same time now. <laughs> And it's made it fun, like doing, when we do the four turntables, it's really made it kind of an interesting thing. It feels like it did when we first started DJing. And like, when it was really Fresh. great just to get two records going the same speed. Hey, can you hear that? Or, you know, get two records. Next. Well, now we have so many variables, because typically we do four vinyl turntables, two mixers, and many times to um, uh, digital CDJs. But it's mainly vinyl with classic 1200s and mixers. And it's made it, it's brought a whole different vibe, a better vibe. It, it's really re reinvigorated, you know, our uh, stuff. It's fun playing. Uh, it's always fun DJing or performing, but now I'm performing while somebody else is performing too. And At we the gotta same make time, it you know, we're not, it's not like one guy plays one, the next guy plays one. It's, this guy's playing two, and that guy's playing two. So we've literally turned it. And we're it, making it work. Yeah. We've, literally, we've literally turned it into a band-like situation. It's where sometimes he's got more low-end bass going, and I'll add some highs, scratch yeah, on top of yeah. it. More like we're, we're kind of jamming out, yeah. which is not what DJs normally get to do. And so right. we, we really took advantage yeah. of that kind of situation. Yeah, it really isn't like track to track. It's it's uh, like an ensemble, like you'd say in, uh, in uh, classical music or whatever. Like a jam, we're a jam band. Ja a jam band. I'll play in the same speed, though. <laughs> I'll play in the same BPM. Yeah, I, I mean, I listen to that. Mostly. <laughs> Um, you talk about, you know, you, the, the different, not the difference, but you talk about you, you incorporate CDJs, but you also keep that tradition of turntablism alive. Mm -hmm. We talk about, you know, Detroit, techno, you know, you're obviously making it harder yourself, but it's also something that you guys just can't help to do. So for those who don't know, why is that the aspect of vinyl so important to what you want to do? You know, uh... I, I love records. Our records are different than uh, any other type of media. Uh, like you can buy you can as many CDs as you want. You can literally feel the music. You can smell it. 
I can read the liner notes. I can hold it. I own it. I literally own it. You can. You gotta steal it from me if you want to take it. Uh, again, but when we're on the road, I mean, it's really heavy. Okay, you know, and uh, getting on and off trains and planes and uh, this, that, and the other. It's character building. You know, it was that's the way I always look at ago. it. You know, it's like it's good exercise. You know, well, now, carrying 50 pounds of records man, on your back yeah. and. Uh, bringing more records than underpants in your in your luggage, uh, yeah, that it's very character building. But not, not only that, I developed uh, you know twenty seven years of tricks on vinyl. That isn't all trans like transposed to a CD player. I got a whole lot of tricks I can't do on there. So when I'm on my vinyl, I like. I can manipulate that completely, you know. I, the turntable is now an instrument for me more than just a, a, a record player. And on a CD player, there's more different tricks you can do, like looping and cue points and all that. But uh, most of my skills come from scratching and uh, you know juggling and knowing how the the platter works on a turntable, you know. So. Uh, I like that part still. And plus the crowd can see me manipulating and they're really, it's a show now. It's not just, I'm selecting songs on a computer. Like, wow, he's manipulating that in yeah. many different ways. And so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But you know, the, like, one of the things is with the uh, digital format, we're still putting in the same energy, the same passion into it. It's just a different medium. It's like the difference between, uh, drawing with a pencil and painting with oil paint. Um, it, Acoustic and, guitar, electric guitar. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those, like for me at least, with records, I have a lot of records. And I know how each one of those records sounds. I know where the skip is. I know where to start that record after the skip. I know how that skip got there. And I, for me, that's how I feel most comfortable. And in the last few years, we kind of came, came a little late into the uh, digital uh, format because we've been traditionalists and we really embrace the art. Like, like it's almost like, a, like a, a, the guys who made the samurai swords. They work on those swords and the samurai, the, 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 uh, the blacksmiths work on that sword. And, but, before you did that, you had to learn for so many years how to forge that sword. When we forged that sword for so long, now we're still learning how to do it better, but with the new format, it's learning how to do that, and you know, it's been a good good ride. I love the, the, the differences that they both have, and I love the uh, I think the forever, new I love that. I think forever we're gonna incorporate both. You yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So. All right, so T Linder, DJ Soul. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, you're amazing. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you. We oh, appreciate it. Just send your last words. Yeah. Now, I ain't gonna no last words. Man, we'll be here every year, yeah. man. Come on, Be around forever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, gentlemen, thank well, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome back to the Summer Sessions on 88.3 WXOU-FM. We're still in the middle of a 2023 recap of Memorial Day weekend and the Movement Festival. Coming up now, 
is TV Lounge resident and music director, Mr. Joshua. We're going to intro that conversation with this track, Shampoo Dub, done in collaboration with Jeremy Kipta. Enjoy and stay tuned in for more conversations and music. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. I'm live at day two of the Movement Festival 2023, and I'm sitting with one of the most integral members of the Detroit music scene, the one and only Mr. Joshua. Right Man. there? That's it? Yeah. Thanks yeah. for filming. I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's you. I think that's you. So how are you, man? Uh, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. All right. And had a really nice time playing. Yeah. Um, like, for real. Yeah. It felt really... Uh, Felt really natural this year. Yeah, yeah. No shakes or nervousness. It just yeah. like felt like my home up there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a rare feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Felt really yeah. comfortable to just play whatever I wanted to. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I like to play whatever I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point you're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, Mr. Joshua, uh, music director for TV Lounge, yep. excellent DJ. Um, so just speaking of you, someone who does a lot for just other artists, what is it like when the spotlight is on you? Oh, uh, it's not, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. You know, I'm not really into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I've gotten better at it over the years, you know what I mean? But I I'm just like, it's not about that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I want the spotlight to be on the thing, the music, you yeah. know, the, it's the whole thing. It's yeah. not me, it's not you, it's not the crowd, it's not... It's everything. Yeah. The p- people that put on the show, the sound technicians, the lighting people, the dancers, the yeah. hospitality people. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing. I'm just proud to be a part of it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pull my weight. Yeah. Like how, <laughs> how how much bigger does that get when like Detroit is like at the center of that? How much? Uh, that mission. Oh. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think the mission is the mission. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. It's definitely palpable here. Mm-hmm. and apparent and clear because yeah. the bar is set so high. Mm-hmm. But I think that should be the mission everywhere. Yeah. And if you meet somebody, you'll know right away in two seconds if they're actually about it or not. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Either the music either does something to you or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really that black and white. Yeah. There's no middle ground. No, no. You love it or you don't. Yeah. 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 Just act and play to find that out. Yeah. And yeah. motherfuckers love it yeah. in Detroit. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> Eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> and just speaking of someone who, you know, you, we talk about the work at TV Lounge, um, how much crazier does that get when you get supposed to throw in events and also you're trying to like bring it on? Uh, yeah, it's it's almost an impossible task. Um, yeah. I was offered a different time slot uh, be- uh, at first, uh, Saturday, two to three, yeah. right? And uh, that's the slot I always play, like two to three, two to four, because mm-hmm. it's the only free time I have. After that, it's just chaos for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Um, and my girlfriend was like, 
I got offered the better slot and she was like, how dare you say no to that? You're gonna be a big boy, you're gonna work all those shifts just like you always do, then you're gonna go play the show, then you're gonna go back to work and that's what you're gonna do. And I was like, you know what? You're right, yeah. I can do it. Yeah. But it's a lot, it's a lot. I got two hours of sleep last night and uh, got up early so I could repack my record bag mm -hmm. and be sure that yeah. I had what I wanted, uh -huh. clean some stuff off, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to get out of work last night. Told myself I'd leave by 8 a.m. So I'm like, do I pack my records? I don't really want to because I'm feeling lazy and tired, but uh -huh. I really should pack them. So yeah. when I go home, I have them. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna hate yourself. Uh -huh. Got up and had a nice spaghetti breakfast. Mm -hmm. Packed my record back <laughs> and came down here. Um, but it's been nice. I got a nice team this year. Yeah. You know, a lot of support. Kate, Tomo, okay. everybody. Uh, we talked about the all vinyl set. So yeah. why not? Why, why vinyl? Why make it hard on yourself? More fun that way. Um, I get bored really easy. Yeah. CDJs are kind of boring to me, you know? And, and there's all this stuff to look at, right? So you, you spend a lot of time looking at it. And the whole point is to use this, right? Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing? Why would you do that? Yeah, it's hard. It should be. It's fucking hard. Yeah. But you spend 20 years at it, it'll get easier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's what I did. I'm gonna try to not play one digital anything the whole fucking weekend. Actually, I screwed up on my hard drive, so I can't. I'm stuck. I came in here and I was like, God damn, please let these turntables work, because I got nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, and they worked. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah. I got really nice needles and all yeah. the nice little toys and shit. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. That's what you have to do, though. You have yeah. to be a full-on operator. Mm -hmm. You know how to run the system, the equipment, yourself. Yeah. Not just be like, I'm here to play and I'm ready, and where here's my gig stick. Somebody help me. Yeah. No, I got it. It's fine. Everybody go work. Yeah. I've had to swap out my own gear while I was playing so many times over the years. Because mm -hmm. there's nobody around to help you. Yeah. This turntable's fucked up. Where's the guy with the turntable? He's not here. Okay, I'll go get one. I'll put on a long record. Go get myself a turntable. Uh -huh. Swap out the needle. It's fine. No big deal. Um, so, Joshua, just last words, man. Um, so, as someone who was just so important to Detroit, uh, what is it? I'm important? Yeah, you're, you're important, Josh. I'll say that. I'll say it on mic. <laughs> Tell nobody that. So what is, it, what is making week and me for you? What's one thing you always take away from it? Movement? Yeah. Man, it's like, you know, the one time a year the city gets to actually, like, shine. Put their best foot forward. And that's all Detroit wants to do yeah. is put their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. We're dying for a chance yeah. to show motherfuckers something sweet. Uh -huh. And we all do it. And... You know, I have to bring in a lot of staff from like my people in New York and San Francisco and Chicago and everybody comes in and is like working yeah. and partying at the same time and you know what I mean? Just like making it work. It's like it, the family gets together once a year for a five day all night barbecue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. It's right. the best. Yeah. After that, everything is boring. Yeah. The whole year. <laughs> Everything's easy. No big deal. Uh -huh. Piece of cake. I'm yeah. going to go home. Yeah. You don't need me no more. Uh -huh. You know, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joshua. You have some more chaos to drive in, so yeah, thank you. you. I appreciate you. Yeah, you got it, bud. Yeah. You got Thanks it. Thanks for
88.3 WXOU Auburn Hills Michigan You just heard our feature with Mr. Joshua Coming up now we're rounding out the program with a day three conversation with Brian Kage and Luke Hess otherwise known as reference. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. We are live at the 2023 Movement Festival at Hart Plaza. And right now, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with two legends in the Detroit music scene, the one and only Brian Kage, Lucas, otherwise known as Reference. Just got done killing, special three-hour set, waterfront stage. Gentlemen, how are you? Feeling pretty good after that. It was a lot of fun. I'm still I mean, sweating. Yeah. It's just, it's so nice to play down here. All your friends are here. Your family's here. People are coming in from out of town that you haven't seen in a while. And uh, I mean, thankfully, we had just amazing weather, weather this weekend. And uh, so just kind of enjoying that. It's a little hot today, but we were in the shade, so it was okay. But yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Amazing time. Uh, couldn't have did it without my bro here. Uh, he invited me a couple months back, and I was like, dude, I don't know. I don't want to step on your toes. And he's like, no, we are zoning together. And boy, we had a good time. We were talking up there a little bit, just having a fun time. And it, it's always good to be together for something like this because you really feed off of each other's energy. And, you know, we have a little bit of a different style, and we're able to come together and, like, hone each other in in one way but also like let each other unleash in another and it's just like this total i guess synergy of uh energy for when it comes to reference yeah yeah so originally you guys weren't billed as reference it was pretty much you and lou going back to back as far as on the schedule so you know what was that initial conversation like you saying you know we're going to do this yeah just thinking to ourselves like hey we've played you know a lot in the past um, together as reference, we've made music together in the past, and we say, hey, Chuck put us on the stage back to back. So yeah. it just makes sense to share the stage together. Um, we get to play longer, yeah. so that's a bonus. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I just feel like we have a lot more energy together um, for certain types of uh, spaces, you know? Yeah. And today was just, it was one of them. I feel like uh, it, everything worked out really well. We both brought uh, different styles of music together and we were able to kind of sort it out uh, on the spot and that makes it fun, yeah. sometimes nerve wracking, but then it keeps you on your toes and uh, it, it all worked out. We were really happy with the, with the outcome for sure. Yeah, we were definitely happy. I think it was the best set Luke and I have ever played together. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, you know, 2011, I believe is the last time you two played together as a reference at, his, at this festival. So we played, uh, I think we played 2013 or 14 um, on the Stargate stage. And we actually had like an unfortunate rain out and it was just insanely packed. So this is like redemption for us. To come <laughs> yeah, together, for sure. For us to come together. The sun came out. Yeah, the sun came out. And this is, you know, this was like, 
what a, like almost 10 years in the making of Redemption where we're like, yes, now we actually like get a beautiful festival view and people smiling and dancers going to town. It's just, it was just incredible. It was a great set. Yeah. Um, and then I'm speaking, you know, you, you talk about reference. You also talk about Beretta music. Um, I think November last year, you Beretta celebrated 20 years. And now I'm seeing like this is like a gradual kind of reset of that label and that collective. So, you know, why is it now like the right time? I think the right time, I think Beretta's music's time has come back because Ryan Sedoris came home to Michigan. And I think he sparked the, uh, the interest in bringing Beretta. And of course, I wanted to be there to help him out. You know, Beretta's been a part of, uh, part of me since the beginning of my career. It gave me the opportunity to put music out. And Ryan's always been a great supporter and a big supporter of all of us. And, you know, Ryan wasn't a part of the, the Beretta crew for quite a bit. He had moved out west, started a family. And so, you know, Luke and I kind of held, held the label together. We found other artists and put out reference. We started reference together. And, uh, you know, we also like kind of veered off and did our own solo projects, but it was cool to like come back and, and be a part of that 20 year reunion. I think it goes to show that like, you know, um, it goes to show that, you know, you can have different paths, but it's always really cool to come home and do something with your family. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and so you talk about this weekend, you know, you two coming back there as reference, the redemption, um, we talk about family. So just as last question, you know, how do you think you two are gonna remember this day, like going forward? I think just the fact that we were able to uh, just play together and celebrate it with everybody that, you know, we were hanging out with all weekend, came to the show, and um, just just being able to celebrate that together on stage was um, super memorable, yeah. you know, and uh, I think it's a catapult also, the inspiration that we pulled from preparation and the set um, this week. Um, it's going to be really good moving forward to kind of lean on that and say, hey, where do we want to go from here as reference? release some more music, release some more DJ sets, and uh, kind of take it from here for uh, the next trajectory together. Yeah, exactly what he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't put yeah. it any better. <laughs> you said Lou was a good talker. He's so. great, yeah. yeah. All right, gentlemen, um, just for who you are, what you've done for Detroit, thank you, and just all the best going forward. It means a lot that you took the time with us today. Thank you, Roosevelt. Thank, thank you, you very, Roosevelt. Welcome. very welcome. Thank you, Roosevelt. Welcome back to the Summer Sessions with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr. That was my conversation with Brian Kage and Luke Hess after their special three-hour set on the waterfront stage. Coming up now is the last but not least conversation recorded this weekend with the one and only Who Dat. Peace, thank you, and stay tuned.
So, 88.3, WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. I'm live from the 2023 Movement Festival, downtown Detroit. Last interview of the weekend, without probably going to be the best interview of the weekend. <laughs> I'm speaking with the one and only Who That. Just got done killing an excellent set. Terry, just how are you doing right now? Long weekend for you. I'm good. I'm exhausted. Yeah. But I feel good. Yeah. 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 Set went well. People enjoyed it. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. It's a little steamy. Yeah. It's a little hot in the deep. We a little yeah. sticky, icky, but it's all good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, Terry, um, 2019, I believe, was your first movement, correct? Yes. Okay. So you talked about you know your first movement. Now you get invited back. Like so, what's kind of going through your head? You know, you're not really having no jitters the first time. So what's it like the second time like for you? More jitters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I might have had even more. Yeah. I was nervous. I'm always nervous. Yeah. I have to say, but I was. Uh, I didn't even know what I was going to play until like three days ago. Wow. Like I really picked my, I didn't, I was like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, what are you going to play? And I actually, uh, I just was on tour in Europe. I actually was on Discogs, like in Europe, ordering records. Yeah, yeah. And I had my mom at home working like, okay, something's coming from Japan today. You know, wow. you might have to chase the male person down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one got lost and I was, actually the song, the last song I played was lost wow. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it showed up like a couple of days ago, okay. so. And it was a perfect ending to the set, so yeah, it, it turned out well, better than I expected. Uh, but I think just I've gotten better at like selecting for things like this, and actually shorter set because shorter sets are actually more difficult because you're trying to get everything in that you want, and you you wanted to have for something like movement, you wanted to have impact. No one to be born. You don't really have time to like warm up. Yeah. So like when you start, that's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be something I learned from the first time. Like there's really like no warm up. You can, but by the time you start doing that, it's over. Yeah. And you know, it's on to the next thing. Yeah. So you know, you talk about so having such a long weekend. Are you ever gonna like push this much in one weekend again? Um. Maybe, depending on what it is. Uh, it just started happening like the last couple of years where I just have a whole bunch of gigs all of a sudden. I used to have like one or none. And lately it's kind of like, because I, I go by like first come, first serve. I don't go like, oh, I want to do this party. I'm going to wait for this person to call. Like whoever calls and if I'm available. And if I like you, because if I don't like you, I'm kind of like, no, like, don't call. But most of the time, people that know already, they're not going to call. So um, so maybe I'm getting I, I'm getting close to 50. So, you know, I had to take a motor that night. Like, whoo, like I'm up, but I think I need another hour just to lay here for a minute. Yeah. Still a young woman, Terry. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm to be sorry. younger. You man. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you bring up Berlin and Germany. It's funny that, like, that's been like a consistent theme through, for interviews I've done. Artists yes. are talking about a kinetic connection. Yes. So, for those who don't know, why is that Berlin Detroit connection like so strong? Have you 
just techno, just the music. Um, techno music is really, really huge in Berlin, and Detroit is the birthplace. Like, they wouldn't have it if we didn't make it. You know what I'm saying? If we didn't um, invent techno, no one would have it. But it seems they've taken like a strong liking to it. They they support it. The city supports it. The government, everything. Um, they put things together, and they just love it. So it's hard not to have a connection with it because because of, of the love they have for it, you know. And you know, if you meet good people, like a good group of people, they'll support you. Like I've probably been traveling back and forth over there and doing more things over there than I have here. Like, um, probably like in the last five, six years, I've been doing more here. But I've probably been traveling to Germany. Like, I started mostly like in Cologne first, but probably for like 15 years now that I've been traveling back and forth to Europe. My agent is in Europe. Shout out to Futura Artist. Yeah, so. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, you and me were talking yesterday, talking about that connection and with Berlin and Detroit, but also like with Detroit itself. In this festival, you said you had you know your cousins here yesterday, and they were figuring out that they didn't really know that this music came from here. Yeah. So like, how's that been? You know, you're you're an ambassador, you know, to people who already know this, but for people who don't know, like, how's that been? It's it's always been kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. I guess the more we archive it and and put it in a way where people can understand it, like other other music genres, maybe people will understand it better. Because mostly here, people are like, people still play techno or they have techno. And it's kind of like, well, it never really went away. Um, so I think it just needs to be archived. Like, and we need sponsorship, like from like the city, like the city could be greatly supported. Like if they put something together for all genres that come from Detroit. Um, like someone just told me when I was in Berlin, like in Berlin, electronic music is like a $5 billion industry. You're like, wow, that's crazy. But here, what is it here? Is it even an industry here? It's kind of like a novelty here and not an industry. You know, it's just supported by the few that support it. It's like spots that support it, but we're, we're not getting any, any kind of support. Everybody's kind of supporting each other. And then we have like moving is probably like our biggest thing, but that's because people are coming from like all over the world to support it. So there's a few groups that are like putting things together, but we're really gonna have to like really push to really put something, to start really putting things together so it can be better known, um, better archived and yeah, we're just gonna have to work on it like brick by brick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I was talking with you know Angie Linder. She's like a head of that, so trying to open up that nightlife for Detroit. As far as yeah. like a twenty-four hour scene. Yeah. Um, so just as an artist, from your perspective, like how beneficial would that be to you? I mean, it'll, it'll change our whole economy. You know what I'm saying? Like being over in Berlin, they. They probably don't struggle like in that way, but Detroit, we need other economies besides like, I mean, you can't be dependent on auto cars. They're trying to do like electric cars. Yeah, that's cool, but this, we need to diversify. And this would probably be a way to diversify like our economy in Detroit, having that nightlife. A lot of people are like coming here um, and enjoying the food and just everything else. So to make it like a tourist destination for music, like I'm saying, not just electronic music, 
with soul music and country music and just whatever else. We have a ton of musicians here. I mean, anything is possible if, if we get that started and get that going and look at it as an incentive for the city and for its people and our culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be huge. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Terry, just wrapping this up. First of all, thank you for your time. Oh, yes. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think that going forward, you're, you're going to be just like an incredible staple for this city and this festival and just dance, techno in general. So what is one thing that you always take away from this weekend? I mean, just the love for it. You know, when you see the people come, you always kind of have a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> you know, it's pricey. You're, it's, everyone can't come. You would like for, you know, maybe if we can start like a sliding scale program where we can actually have more people participate. Yeah. Because it's unfortunate that we do have to have payments so people can make money and live. But we also need to have a way that people that maybe want to come could be able to come. Maybe do parties throughout the year, like some kind of sponsorship so people can learn. And maybe we can just have something where if it's like a teaching moment, like like I was talking to my little cousins and telling them like, you know, techno is from Detroit and it's made by black people. And then all of a sudden we have this whole teaching thing like Mwaji opening his school and then different things like that. It's the, all these little doors that are opening. Like what can we do to combine all these things and have it be a, a greater thing so we can, uh, just have all these great teaching moments about our culture and history, like in Detroit. I mean, cause I was, like they asked me, like how did I learn about it? And I'm like, it was it was on the radio as a kid. Like we got to hear it develop, you know what I'm saying? And see it grow when it, when it started. And you know, um, so just learning different ways, how we can keep that going. How, how do we express it to children now? Because, you know, we got to go to the record store and see it come out. Now you have to like make playlists, like how do we do this now? Cause all the formats have changed and it's different. Even myself, like I really started to learn um, what I need to do. Cause I don't, I'm getting closer to spending CDJs out. I'm still learning. It's like a whole nother demon. Like I gotta read, my God, so many words, so many things to do, you know, um, but what do we need to do like and then we have to understand too that technology really just changed like really really fast you know what i'm saying like i'm 48 you know when i was a kid we still had like dial tone phones no cell phones you know regular tvs computers were starting but it went like in that time frame in like 30 years it's like look where we are now that was fast and we haven't really kept up in how we communicate and how we pass things on to keep things going. So we have a lot of miscommunication with generations and age, you know, ages, parents and grandparents and children to how we communicate with each other and how we respond to things that are being told and things that are being given. Um, so we really got to come up with like some things where we can like close that that kind of gap. Yeah. I think it's close and terrible, but like I said, long way to go. But yeah. the important thing, important thing, just keep moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Well, Terry, I'm going to call you Terry. I should be calling you who that? Terry's fine. Terry, okay. Who I'm that? Terry, Terry, now for, Terry. For a moment. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, for making Thank you. for your time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yep. Where can we find your stuff online? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Some are on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
uh, I think it's whodat313.com. I'll be speaking with my like art director and web designer because okay. I need to post like because uh, we have t-shirts now. Um, I think I have a few things on SoundCloud. I have a Patreon. Okay. So I have like a couple of things that I'm juggling, trying to get together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's out there for you, Terry. It's out there for you. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. That was my conversation with the DJ and artist of Detroit, Michigan, known as Who Dat. This is unfortunately my show for tonight. And if you like what you heard, you hear recording by visiting the summer sessions.net. Once again, that is the summer sessions.net. I'm eternally grateful to all artists I spoke to in this program. And also want to thank friend of the program, Jordan Buzzy, for providing audio equipment and support for this event. So, peace, thank you. And as always, catch you next week.